Our scripture for today comes to us from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Listen now for a word from God. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out, Teacher. Jesus said, Don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to my Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that he had said these things to her. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Good and loving God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Easter. God, and we thank you for a time set aside to remember and reflect on this story. Lord, I pray whatever words we would hear this morning would be from you and not from me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before I, I jump into this, I, I want to give a couple shout-outs. Um, you know, Easter is a, it's a big deal in the church. It's our busiest time of the year, maybe. You, you could argue maybe Christmas is bigger, but it, t- it takes a lot of 
people to pull this off. And so I, I just want to say thank you to everyone that helped. I'm not going to call you out by name because I didn't ask you if I could call you out by name and I don't want to offend anyone and get a bunch of emails after this, but I just want to say thank you. If you helped set this up and prepare this, even if you just suggested an idea and it was carried through, thank you, thank you, thank you. And would you all please clap and applaud all those people for me? Thank you, thank you, thank you. you. You know who you are, and I'm grateful. Pastor Sarah's grateful. I think we're all grateful. So I, I want to start with a question. And you don't have to answer right away, but has anyone ever struggled with this story? The resurrection. Someone coming back to life after being dead. Have you ever struggled with this story? If you, if you have, I want you to know you're, you're not alone. Many people have struggled with this story. One of them, maybe uh, one of the more famous ones, was C.S. Lewis. Is anyone familiar with C.S. Lewis? Show of hands, yes. If you're not familiar with C.S. Lewis, he's famous for um, writing the Chronicles of Narnia. Mere Christianity was one. He's... Um, He's kind of a, I, I guess, a, a literary giant in the Christian community in the 50s and 60s, and, and his legacy is still going on today. But before he was uh, a, a, a really strong Christian, he was actually a, an atheist um, and, and found Christianity to be very, very silly and, and trivial. And um, one of the things he really struggled with was this idea of, you know, the resurrection from the dead, that someone would come back to life. And if you read some of his memoir and, and biography, one of the moments that really changed him was this sort of um, strange moment. He was just walking with a friend of his. He was a professor at Oxford, and he and his friend were taking this walk in the evening, and his professor was also an atheist, and you know, they got along well together, and they were going along. They were talking about myth. They were talking about religion. They were talking about all these things, and then this atheist philosopher made this offhanded comment to C.S. Lewis. He said, you know, that whole thing about Christianity and Jesus coming back from the dead, it's a, it's a very odd thing. It's a very strange thing, you know, because the evidence suggests that, well, maybe, maybe it actually happened. And C.S. Lewis heard this from someone that he knew to be an atheist, not a practicing Christian, and thought, well, why is it? <laughs> Why is he saying that? And this began C.S. Lewis's journey into really investigating, well, what is the meaning of the faith? What is the meaning of this doctrine? What are we to do with this? I've had similar questions. I've had similar doubts about this. I've, I've really struggled with it, and I, I think doubt is a good thing. I think if we can question things and really prod and poke at them, we can come to know what we believe, and our faith is strengthened through that. And so I, I actually did some research when I was in seminary thinking through, like, what, what do we believe about the resurrection? Is there a diversity of views? Do we have to all think the same thing? Where are we at on this? And so I want to just share kind of th three views that I, I learned about. And these are three broad views. I'm sure there are more than this, but this, is a, this will cover a wide area. So on the one hand, you, you have people that are um, traditional um, focused on the doctrine, um, you, you might say a little bit more conservative theologically. And, and these, these folks think that, you know, it, the resurrection did happen. 
Absolutely, as it occurred. It, it, it's a historical fact. It's, it's true in the sense that it is an event captured in time and history, and it changed everything after that. And they, they follow Paul when they say this. You know, Paul says something to the effect, I, I think it's in Romans, he says something like, you know, if, if Christ wasn't resurrected, then we've, we've wasted our lives. Everything that I'm saying up here is for not, everything that we do is meaningless if it didn't actually happen. And, and these folks follow Paul in that way. It's true. It's historical. Now, on the, on the other hand, the more, um, let's call them more, more liberal folks, and I, I hate to use those terms because they're so loaded, but these liberal folks, they want to say, oh, maybe it didn't happen. Maybe it didn't happen. Maybe it's not history, but maybe something did happen. And maybe what happened was the disciples uh, experienced kind of a revival of the teaching of Jesus. There was a resurgence from the disciples and Jesus' followers after his death as a response to his death. And so, you know, these, these disciples uh, became motivated and this new spirit sort of entered them and it led to this great, great movement. And so the resurrection is interpreted as kind of a metaphor. And it's a metaphor that helps us understand to make uh, sense of what happened in the world all those years ago. So that, that, that's another view. And, and, and maybe you find yourself in one of those two camps. But I, I heard this, this middle way that I really, really like. It's from a guy named uh, Jürgen Moltmann. If you're interested in dense theological texts from uh, Europeans that have long since passed, I, I highly recommend Jürgen Moltmann. Um, he says that, you know, it, it, he says, you know, maybe, maybe it happened. Maybe it's historically true and accurate, or he says maybe, maybe it didn't happen. Maybe it was a metaphor, but he says it doesn't really matter, does it? Because one, we will never know, and two, we could argue about it for centuries or even millennia, as we have been, actually. He says, though, what, what is true is that at least some people believed that it happened. At least some people experienced something, and the world was absolutely changed. And you can't deny that, he says. Something occurred, some event, and that changed history as we know it. I mean, and you might even argue that you're sitting here today because something did happen. And I like that view. It's generous. It's wide open. kind of gets us away from arguing and shows us a way forward. But one of my questions this week as I was thinking about this sermon was, well, why should we continue believing in this? If, if something did happen, great, and it changed history, great, but why continue this belief? Why continue this story year after year after year? John begins his version of these events by telling us that while it was still dark, Early on the first day of the week, while it's still dark, Mary Magdalene is going to the tomb. And Mary's going to the tomb because, as we know, Jesus has died and he's been laid to rest. And now that a few days have passed, she needs to go and 
um, complete her rituals, complete her customs. And so she's going to anoint his body with oils and spices. And, and really, she's going to go through the grieving process as prescribed by her faith and her religion. She's also going to just spend time with someone that she loved one last time, to be with him, to hold his hand maybe, to just see him and to remember stories. She might also be going to get away from all the things that happened earlier in the week. I mean, earlier that week, she watched as Jesus' disciples, as his closest friends, I mean, they, one of them betrayed him for 40 pieces of silver. An, an, another one said that, you know, he, he wouldn't deny him even till the end. He would, he would die for him, and then, you know, after three tries, he bailed out. And the others, they ran and they hid, and, and they were afraid. They didn't want to lose their life. So maybe she's going to get away from some of that. She's going to get away from the fact that, gosh, you know, the Romans, they're at it again. The empire is going to win. Someone told me in our our Sunday school class the other day that there was this saying, um, Rome always wins. Rome always wins, and, and, and I think this person said it, it wasn't clear whether or not that was coming from the people Rome was oppressing at the time or if it was coming from the Romans, but in any case, it, it at least appeared to be true. Rome always wins, and this is the world that Mary is stuck inside. She's powerless. She doesn't know what to do. Maybe she just needs a break. She doesn't want to live in a world where the bad guy always wins. She wanted to believe that there was a hero. She wanted to believe that God had actually shown up and that God was actually doing something and that actually the world was going to change. And and she arrives at the tomb where her Lord and her friend is supposed to be buried She's almost hopeless. She sees the stone turned away. And now it looks like they've robbed his grave. They've taken his body. And what are you to do? She's at the end of it. We don't live in the same world, but but certainly our world is filled with shadows and darkness too, isn't it? I mean, gosh, earlier this week, I think the tax deadline came up, right? Did you, man, someone, someone talked about the IRS earlier being afraid of that. that. That happened. Earlier this week, someone may have lost a friend. Earlier this week, someone may have gotten news that they have cancer. They're going to pass. Earlier this week, I have a friend who found out that their sibling had five months to live, maybe. Earlier this week, we saw on the news that another unarmed black man was shot by police. Earlier this week, 
a billionaire, made a bid to take over one of the world's largest communication platforms in an effort, he says, to save free speech. As if money could save something like that. As if one person could save something like that. Earlier this week, friends said goodbye to one another. Earlier this week, someone lost their job. Earlier this week, shadows covered the world. We can relate with Mary, can't we? There are shadows, there's darkness all around. So Mary sees that the, the tomb is open, the stone's been rolled away, and she doesn't know what to do, so she runs back, and she gets a couple of the disciples. She's like, can you believe this? Look, look what's going on. Oh my gosh, they, they took his body. So the two disciples come in, and they see, and then they leave again, and they leave her alone at the empty tomb. And the text tells us that she's sitting outside, and she's weeping. And as she's weeping, two angels appear, sitting where Jesus had been laying, one at the head and one at the foot. And they ask her, woman, woman, why are you weeping? As if it's not obvious. And she says, well, I came to anoint my Lord's body with oil and with spices. And look, they, they took him and I don't know where they, I don't know where they put him. I don't know where he's gone. Then she hears another voice, a voice that sounds kind of familiar to her, just a little bit, and says, woman, why are you weeping? Why are you afraid? And she turns, and, and she thinks it's the gardener, and she says to the gardener, she says, hey, I, I just want to know where his body is. Just tell, me, just tell me where the body is. I'll go get it. I'll go take care of it. Do whatever you need to do, but I, just tell me where you've put him, please. And of course, it's Jesus, and Jesus says, Mary, Mary. And when she hears the sound of, of her name in his mouth, she, she perks up and she says, teacher, teacher. She starts smiling, and she's excited, and she stands up, and she's wiping away the tears, and she's going to give him a hug. And I don't know if you caught this in the text, but Jesus says this fascinating thing. He says, do not cling to me. Do not cling to me. What a fascinating thing to say to someone to rising from the dead. I had a professor who said that, you know, G Jesus saying that is, 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 is so powerful because one of the things that we always ask of God or the thing that we desire of God the most, maybe the thing we pray for, is that dead things would come back to life. The things that have gone, the things that have passed would come back and, and be here with us. We want to hold on to those things that have passed, and that's the thing that we want God to do with God's power. But in this moment, we see Jesus saying, do not cling to me. Go instead. Tell people what you have seen. Tell people what you have heard. Tell people what you have experienced. Go Jesus says, 
in a way and share your hope with others. And so Mary listens, and I, what I love is, like, I, I think I would have had a million questions at this point. Like, one, how did it happen? Two, are you going to be here forever? Three, like, what is going on in the world? I mean, there's so many things that you would want to ask in that moment, and Mary doesn't do any of it. She just listens, and she goes to announce the good news. And I think the good news must have sounded something like this. Not just, oh, hey, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's back. We get to be with him again. It's going to be like old times. We're all going to be together. And it's more like, I know that Rome seems to have a monopoly on violence. I know that the empire seems to have control over all the devastation and evil in the world. But listen to what I just found out. God has a monopoly on life. God has power over that death. All those things that Rome is doing, it's still not able to stop God and the life that God is bringing forth into the world. That sounds like good news to me. You can believe really whatever you want about the resurrection. You can believe that it's a, a, a metaphor and maybe just a, a way to explain something that happened in the world. You can believe that it, that it actually happened. You can believe that there's a middle way. I think no matter what we believe, though, God is calling us to spread the hope that we have experienced and seen into a world that is filled with shadows. You've experienced hope in your life. You've experienced the joy and the goodness of God in some ways, no matter your beliefs, and you have the power to go and to spread that hope, just like Mary did, to a world that is struggling, to friends and family that are struggling, in a world that is covered in shadows and darkness. You can be the one that spreads a little bit of hope let me tell you, you don't have to be a pastor to do it. You don't even really have to be a part of a church to do it, I don't think. I think you have the ability to do it right where you're at. Because I think that God is speaking to you and through you. Depends on if you're listening, I guess. The good news of God is that for all the evil forces and all of the principalities and powers in the world that seem to control everything and take over everything and kill everything and just devastate. The good news is that God still has power over life. God is still up to something bigger than we can imagine. God is still on the move. And I believe that we are all called to be children of light to be spreaders of hope, to be tellers of the story of good news as we walk in a world filled with shadows. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for your son. Thank you for this story. God, 
Thank you for hope. Would you fill us with hope when we are shrouded in shadows and darkness? Would you fill us with hope when we are sitting by the empty tomb, weeping, wondering where to go next? And would you give us the courage to step forward and to give the world a little bit of good news? In Jesus' name, amen.